Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week, we're going to share one of our favorite shows from our 2014 season, A Couple of Musical Legends, and that starts right now. Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's musical guests from Wilmington, Delaware, Appleseed recording artist David Bromberg, and from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Sugar Hill recording artist Wanda Jackson. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, please join me in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. We are, are going to have some fun this week. We get to spend some time with a couple of real innovators, two American musical icons uh, who kind of had to create their own paths um, because these paths didn't exist before they got there. They had to make them. Wanda Jackson showed the world that a young, pretty teenage girl from Oklahoma could shake, rattle, and roll with the best of them. And uh, David Bromberg showed us that a Jewish kid from New York could actually show a broad world, a thing or two about bluegrass and blues and gospel and old-time music, and they both had to make it up as they were going along. It's very impressive. I went to a folk festival in the early 70s, and I saw this gangly, kind of scruffy-looking uh, guy with glasses in his 20s playing a lot of original songs with some older ones, too. And he had a kind of energy that really just changed what I thought about folk music. He was intense, he, he meant it, he went for it, he was entertaining, and he seemed a little dangerous. And he, could, and he could play, he knew how to pick. He'd studied, obviously, the Doc Watsons and the Reverend Gary Davises of the world. He, I could tell he'd done his homework. What I didn't know is that he'd been a studio musician, that he'd played on tons of records. Everybody from, you know, Jerry Jeff Walker and Bob Dylan and Carly Simon and John Prine and George Harrison and so on. I mean, I didn't know that he was deep in the uh, sort of Washington Square Park folk scene that was going on there in New York in the early 60s, especially that he was signed to Columbia Records and that he saw the connection to all different styles of music. That was a, a real game changer for me. And that was my first time seeing our first guest. Please welcome David Bromberg. Again, uh, I am. Uh... 
With you, darling. Good luck and happiness. No hard feelings, baby. I wish you only the best. But believe me when I tell you, huh? and remember when I say, best not hold your breath, girl. Waiting for the day I, 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 I'll take you back Yeah, girl, I'll take you, I'll take you back The sun refuses to shine And murder ain't a crime I'll take you back I'll take you back, baby Sure, but just not at this particular point in time back, baby, when water ain't wet and Congress pays off the national debt. I'll take you back. Yeah, I'll take you back. When your mama's too tired to talk and the dead get up and walk, I'll take you back. I'll tell you when I'll take you back, girl. When they find the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, that would be a very good time. No, no, really, really. I, I've been intending to take you back. I'll take you back, baby. When James Brown ain't funky and King Kong ain't a monkey, I'll take you back. <laughs> I'll take you back, girl. 
when the preacher's on TV starts sending cash to me, I'll take you back. You can come on home, if you can wait that long. said folk music couldn't be entertaining. <laughs> um, well, David, welcome to E-Town. It's been a, a long time. I should explain to people that most of the people who, um, you know, we've been sort of thinking about in terms of, you know, bringing guests over to the show and stuff like that, didn't take a break from music for 22 years, <laughs> like this guy did. He took a break from music for 22 years, and so it's especially good to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, um, in fact, I was, um, we were playing, Hot Rise was playing at the Philly Folk Festival and your, your, when it was your farewell show, and it was, people were stunned. It was a big deal. Well, it was a big deal for me, man. It was a whole personality crisis. I'd never thought of myself as anything but a musician, but what prompted me to stop was that I, I concluded I was no longer a musician if I ever had been. Uh, because I, I found myself not wanting to play. Yeah. I was home and I wasn't writing, I wasn't practicing, I wasn't jamming. There's nothing about a musician there. Right. Well, you didn't exactly sit around and do nothing because you became uh, incredibly passionate about the violin and about the both construction and repair and the, the sort of provenance of all these instruments that you, you really want to learn about. The thing that got me about violins is I, it fascinated me to see someone look at a violin and without referring to the piece of paper inside, which is very frequently wrong, say where and when it was made and, and sometimes by whom. And that's what I wanted to learn. Yes. And uh, so I went to violin making school so I could learn how to look at them. What I am now is, uh, um, there's one part of violins I'm the world's expert. When it comes to violins made in the United States, I'm number one in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, yeah. I want to go back a little bit. So you grew up in Tarrytown, New York, mostly. Mm -hmm. Went to Columbia, went into New York City, already playing music, right? Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about two people and their role in your musical education when you got to New York City. One, Reverend Gary Davis, and the other, Jody Stecker. So just tell us about wow. those, those two people. You picked the two most important people to me. Wow. Um, Jody Stecker opened my ears to all kinds of music that I... I never would have discovered otherwise. And when people ask me, you know, in interviews and stuff, they say, well, who were your influences? Uh, he's the first guy I name. He's a fantastic musician. He's primarily a teacher, but he still performs. He just put out a new record. And uh, yeah, he's a remarkable musician who, because of him, you know, you then also found those connections. Yeah. In case you just joined us, I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. We're here with David Bromberg. So there you are, you're learning all this stuff, and then Reverend Gary Davis comes into your world. So tell us about that you know, intersection. Well, I had this great record, and uh, one side was Reverend Gary Davis, the other side was Pink Anderson. It was just a great, great record. Now, I was walking along Bleecker Street when I was still going to Columbia, and uh, there was a sign in front of this club called the Dragon's Den, which is, vanished soon afterwards. 
but there was a, a sandwich sign that said Reverend Gary Davis here this afternoon. It was the middle of the day. And uh, I wanted to hear this, so I went in and I uh, listened, and it was extraordinary. And, yeah. and afterwards, I asked him if he would give me lessons. I didn't expect a yes, but he said, yes, $5, bring the money, honey. That's what he said? That's what he said. <laughs> and he was blind, so eventually, um, instead of paying him the $5, I would lead him to where he needed to go. And that was yet another learning thing for me. I discovered not only gospel music, which is fantastic stuff and I really love. Because I, he needed you to bring him to church? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I started to learn a lot from preachers. One of the things I learned, if you listen to B.B. Uh, King, he said you know, that his tone comes from trying to play like Lonnie Johnson. I understand that. I can hear that. And his choice of notes is his own. But his phrasing is a preacher's phrasing. And so is Albert King's. And so are all of my favorite blues guitar players. Because these guys took a breath. Yes. They, they would pause in order to make you listen. So I try and play like that. I actually sometimes think I'm going to preach this one. When you're playing when your I'm guitar. Playing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So just to quickly move through a couple of more phases of your world that led you to here, there's a recent release of some of the songs that you and Bob Dylan recorded, I guess, about 40 years ago. I, don't, I have no idea what the story there is, but it's, you know, did he just call you up and say, hey, David, come and let's throw some of the stuff down? And, or how did that work? He called me up, and uh, at first I thought it was somebody imitating him. Uh, I couldn't believe that he would be calling me. And, and what he said is, uh, uh, I want to try out this studio. You want to come help me try out this studio? And I said, sure. And the disc, three-disc thing that you're talking about is uh, they, under the title of Another Self-Portrait. And the first disc is mostly what we did, just me and him in the studio. Well, that's a, that's a kind of a remarkable little notch on your belt is to be the guy that's sitting in a studio with Bob Dylan and trying out all these songs and then have it come out. And, and then, you know, so by the time you had your first record coming out on Columbia, you had all these friends and sort of powerful places. And, and uh, I was surprised that, you know, you didn't even want to mention all the people who played on your first record. Um, both Bob Dylan and George Harrison played on my first record. And... I didn't want to uh, stand on their shoulders. You didn't want to use their names to help sell records or to commercialize right, it. Right. Know? And I, it was not a known fact at that time. Yeah. yeah it's pretty well known now, but uh, at that time, nobody knew, and I didn't tell them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. And then, you know, you had success, and you had a big band. You had horn section. You were out there touring all the time. Then you took your break, and then you learned about violins. And now... You're uh, in your late 60s and you're back out on the road. Are you going to do the same thing again and just play so much that you're going to get tired and forget you're a musician? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let, let's get back to music. Welcome back, David Bromberg. Darling, I 
tell you Although it nearly breaks my heart When you wake tomorrow morning Don't 
David Bromberg, along with Mark Cosgrove on guitar, Nate Grauer on fiddle and mandolin, Josh Kanuski on the drums, Bob Taylor on the bass. The CD is called Only Slightly Mad. David Bromberg will be back later on in the show. We'll be back with more, plus the Achievement Award, after a short break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. fiddle there. Thank you, Helen. I want to mention that David Bromberg is going to be back later on to play some more music. And of course, we have the also wild, wonderful world of Wanda Jackson coming up before long. Just another remarkable life story. Before we get back to music, though, we're going to introduce you to somebody we got to know with the help of one of our listeners. Every week we get a chance to share one of these stories that listeners send to us uh, about people who've inspired them in their hometowns, people who looked around and saw an opportunity to make things just a little bit better. And um, these stories are often just kind of simple things that start small and grow, and, and we like them. We give them the recognition called the Achievement Award. Here comes Helen to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. This week's listener nominator is Brandy Mays of Post Falls, Idaho. Brandy says she loves the stories of everyday heroes that E-Town provides, and she's nominating Corinne Krylkamp of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho for the Achievement Award this week. Now, as an avid gardener herself, Corinne often had excess produce from her vegetable garden, and that made her notice that the twice-weekly farmer's market in her town did too. She knew that the unsold vegetables would go largely to waste. Well, this got her thinking about who might benefit from this surplus. So she started a grassroots program to get this extra food to those who might need it. What began as a small effort has grown quickly, and they've ended up providing lots of fresh food to folks in need. The most interesting thing is they do it mostly on bicycles. Now, Corinne's waiting on the phone to tell us about that and more. So right now, please join me in welcoming from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Corinne Krylkamp. How are you, Corinne? I'm well. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining us by phone. Helen said you collect the food mostly on bicycles. So how did that start? Well, you know, it just made more sense <laughs> than doing it by car. Um, you're staying active, you're more engaged in the process, and you're meeting people on the street, especially farmers. Yeah, you're going to stay connected to both the landscape and the people. You get the food primarily from the farmer's market in Coeur d'Alene. We do, but we also more recently helped start our town's first community garden. 
which produces food that we distribute. And we also have two drop-off sites where home gardeners can drop off their excess produce as well. So where does the food go once you gather it up? Well, we distribute it to about 15 different food assistance facilities, ranging from shelters, food banks, um, senior centers, and a lot of it is in the downtown area so that it can all be done by bicycle mostly. Yeah. And the community support's been good? We have had excellent support from the community. We've had over about 300 volunteers engaged in this effort. And um, in 2009, we started that community garden, and that really gave a place where people could associate our program to, and that yeah. increased participation. Oh, that's cool. You know, people donate beans, squash, tomatoes, melons, root crops. I mean, you name it. We'll figure out a way to get it to somebody that can utilize it while it's fresh. Right. Really work with the chefs at the soup kitchens and the food banks to, to find the, the places that can, can really utilize it. It's great. Sometimes we have a lot of stuff like broccoli rob that comes in and people look at it and go, what is this? How am I going to use this? And right. so we provide a recipe and, and then they learn something, you know, about, you know, all the different foods that are out there as well. That's cool. And what about wintertime? Coeur d'Alene, wintertime. Yeah. Well, in the wintertime, we do a lot of prep work, planning for the next season. This year, we started our first, um, well, second, I should say, uh, garden at a community college here, North Idaho College. We just put up a hoop house, and we're doing our first year-round gardening effort, which has us very busy. And are you a volunteer, Corinne, still? I am. I've shifted in my role from being kind of the initiator and very more active to now step back in more of an advisory position. But I'd say about 20 to 30 hours a month on average yeah. still involved. And when did you get this bright idea and start this program? Back in 2007. And this was primarily just because you saw the surplus at the end of the day at the farmer's market, right? Yeah. I yeah. was looking for a way to do something more hands-on at the end of my work day that yeah. made a difference on multiple levels, not just social but environmental. And oh. it just seemed like the right place. And so since you started, do you have any clues to how much food you've distributed? Yes, we do tally all the food that comes in. We wash it, weigh it before we distribute it. And so we have over 40,000 pounds now of fresh local produce that's been distributed to people in need. On bicycle. On bicycle, yes. <laughs> the majority on bicycle. That's pretty cool. Does, and what's the name of the, I'm assuming it has a name, the program, right? Yes, it's Community Roots. And that's a program of the Kootenai Environmental Alliance. And so if people want to see pictures or learn more about it, is there a website for Community Roots? KEAlliance.org forward slash Community Roots. Well, Corinne, it's really cool that you started something and it's grown and you have so many people involved and you've helped distribute so much food that might have otherwise gone to waste. And you've done it with a very, very low carbon footprint. <laughs> All these things are awesome. It's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, thanks for sharing your story. That's this week's winner of the Achievement Award. And Corinne, we're going to send you a framed certificate in honor of your efforts. You can share with your other volunteers and people involved with the program. All right. Thank you. That's this week's winner, Corinne Kreilkamp of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, founder of Community Roots. Thanks, Corinne. Congratulations. All of us here at E-Town are proud to have presented the Achievement Award for well over two decades now. And we love hearing back from our winners who tell us that our listeners often uh, offer them support and help after hearing their stories on the show. It means a lot to us. Thanks to listener Brandy Mays of Post Falls, Idaho for nominating Corinne. And if you have an idea of someone who deserves recognition on the air, nominate them on our website, etown.org. 
You can also listen to this week's interview there again, if you'd like to, and you can find out how to support Corinne's work. Send us your feedback and comments on this segment or the show in general on Twitter, Facebook, uh, or you can also write to us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Corinne. Another good Ichiban Awards story. We have more music coming up uh, from David Bromberg in a little while. Right now, I want to tell you about our next guest, Wanda Jackson. Grew up in Maude, Oklahoma. Went on to live a life that is hard to even imagine. While still in high school, in the mid-50s, she won a contest. She got on a local radio station. Soon she was singing in Hank Thompson's band. That led to a solo record deal. She signed to DECA, went on tour with Elvis, and became, along the way, still in her teens, uh, the first woman in rock and roll, really. She was the, the queen of rockabilly, many other titles. In fact, she was recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's still at it. Her last two records were produced by Jack White and Justin Towns Earl. There is a film that's coming out about her life. She's on the road a lot, well into her 70s. We are so happy to have her back with us here in E-Town. Please help me welcome back the one and only Wanda Jackson. to rock? Why not? On July the 2nd, 1953, I was serving time for armed robbery. Four o'clock in the morning, I was sleeping in my cell. Heard a whistle blow, and I heard somebody yell, there's a ride going on. In cell block number four Spread like fire Across the prison floor The warden came in With a big tummy gun Bang, bang, bang Try to stop our fall But there's a ride going on Ride going on Yeah, a ride going on in the air You don't stop this riot You're all gonna get the chair Two gun Matilda said it's too late to quit That's the dynamite Molly Man just usually There's a ride going on Militia to help them win the fight. Drove up to the prison in the middle of the night. Each and every trooper looked so tall and fine. All the chicks been crazy in cell block number nine. Now there's a ride going on.
<laughs> well, I'm so glad to be back at uh, E-Town. I wrote a ballad song back in 1961, and Capitol Records released it. It became a signature song for me throughout the world. So maybe y'all will remember this one. Right or wrong, I'll be with you. I'll do what you ask me to. That must have been a great, uh, a great honor and a great evening for you, that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame night. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Very flattered. Well, you are a, uh, a rock and roll model. You are a person who paved the way for women in rock and roll. You were the first one. You were a pioneer. And, of course, you should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate totally. that. Totally. Thank no. you. <laughs> I know that in high school, not that you're not now, but when you first started out, you were so glamorous. You had this very um, provocative image. And I know that, uh, as I understand it, Marilyn Monroe and Elizabeth Taylor were your two sort of models that you looked up to in terms of beauty. Is that right? That's right. 
uh, I was tired of wearing those old country clothes like the girls wore, full skirts and cowboy boots. And, you know, I'm too short for that. <clears throat> I come walking out there, nobody could see me. <laughs> I decided I was hiding all of my assets. <laughs> That's so, sort of what I was trying to say. <laughs> but of so course, I couldn't say that. my mother made me right. the fringe outfits, and yeah. that's kind of my trademark. You know, what's so funny also, Wanda, is that in the 1950s, most teenagers like you at the time were rebellious, and they were looking for ways to be rebellious in the early days of rock and roll, rebelling against the conservative nature of the 1950s, rebelling against their parents, rebelling against whatever they were thinking of. Here you were, an only child... And you were, as you say, showing off your assets in outfits that your mom made for you. And your dad went on the road with you and was really encouraging for you to, to, to jump into this world of rock and roll. I, I just wonder what could you possibly have rebelled against with parents <laughs> like that? There was nothing I could rebel against. Uh, I mean, I knew a good thing when I had it. <laughs> I'd come home, mother would do all my laundry and cook every night, you know, and she held down an eight-hour job every day also, but dad traveled with me. Oh, wow. So you and your dad were on the road, and your mom worked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. and she kept up the fan club, and yeah, yeah it was just a, a family affair. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> In case you've just joined us, I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Wanda Jackson. Now, um, what did you learn from Elvis in terms of his performance? What did you learn as a performer from seeing Elvis play to all those crowds? Not to take myself so serious. He went out on stage, and he had more fun there than just about any place. And what about, well, what did you learn from Elvis while you were dating Elvis? <laughs> Beats me. <laughs> What did you teach Elvis? I wasn't looking. <laughs> You're getting very personal. I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> it's just a, you know, I've never met anybody else who dated Elvis. So I just couldn't resist. Um, one thing I'm curious about is when you say you dated Elvis. Um, what am I going to do with you? <laughs> Won't, this isn't a personal question. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering whether, because uh, you were still a teenager, your dad was on the road with you, but did you think that maybe there was a future, like that you and he would stick together or something like that at the time? Or No. Yeah. I, I think back, and it wasn't that type of relationship. We really liked each other, and sure, we'd taken a movie or something. Daddy never let me ride with him in the car or anything. I was just wanting my career, and so was he. And so it was just a very relaxed, um, happy to get together, but nope. He used to call me every day about 4.30. Mother remembered that. (laughs) She said, if you weren't on tour with him, he calls you every day. That's awfully sweet. Well, and it wasn't long before you uh, met a handsome young man with a good job, and uh, pretty soon... You and Wendell got married. Right. I I like to say that when we talk about Elvis, all the women I know and some of the men, they're thinking, "Mm -hmm. was he a good kisser? Yes, he was a good kisser. I just want (laughs) to 
tell everybody that. Now you're the one who's bringing it up. Uh, that's, that's his personal son. But to say that, just to say, but I found a guy that kissed me a whole lot better. And I married him 52 years ago. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's great. I deserve that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Wanda, let me. Um, Where do you go? Let me from try there? my best to change the subject. <laughs> um, in case you've just joined us. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Wanda Jackson. So tell me about working with Jack White and whether or not you had you ever heard of Jack White when he called you? Well, yeah, I had heard of him. He's younger than my son. So it felt a little strange, you know, working with someone that young. But he was just wonderful. He has such a talent. Did he pick the songs for the record mostly? Actually, he did. Yeah. Uh, were you comfortable? I know that there's an Amy Winehouse song on there that's a little on the racy side. Was that, you were just saying whatever you, you present? That's the I'll only sing. one we butted heads over. Okay. Someone asked me in an interview to describe Jack White. And I said, well, that's hard to do, just, you know, describe someone. But I guess I would liken him to a, a velvet-covered brick. Because he is going to have his way in the studio. And he does it so sweetly, you never even know you're giving in to it. That's so cool. Now, um, you know, one thing that I think is kind of obvious, but I'm just going to say it anyway, which is that don't underestimate the power of the role you played in opening doors for women performers. Because I think that was a door that was not obvious to a lot of people, and you made it okay for lots of women to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, a lot of them have told me that, and yeah. I really appreciate it. It makes me look back and say, well, I did something right. Yeah, you sure <laughs> did. All right. Wanda, thank you so much for coming thank back you, to Nick. town. Thank you, folks. We're going to get back to music. Welcome back, Wanda Jackson. People like to rock.
Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. City's called Unfinished Business. Along with E-Tones, Ron Jolly, Christian Chiel, Chris Engelman, Helen Forster singing along, Wanda Jackson, one and only, right here in E-Town. We'll be back with more music after a short break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. In case you tuned in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It's available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. want to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WTYD in Williamsburg, Virginia, The Tide, on WYSO in Yellow Springs, Ohio, and on KCHU in Valdez, Alaska. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you want more information about what we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff is online at etown.org. I want to mention that Wanda Jackson's going to be out for our big finale in just a little while. Right now, please help me welcome back to the stage Mr. David Bromberg. Ricky on TV Telling people how to live He sure had a lot to say But not a lot to give Ricky, those are real fine 
step back and look at what you do You know it's not enough to say things You've got to mean them too I heard Laurie sing last night First time in 20 years She sang me all her own songs Near brought me to tears And she sang straight from the heart Like all great singers do She knows it's not enough to say things You've got to mean them too It's a thing you teach your children You know they learn from watching you It's all in how you do things Gotta mean them too. beside me While I played blind man's bluff with life And every time we touch or kiss Each time that I say I love you And every time that we make love 
With all my soul, I mean it too. David Bromberg, Nate Grower on the fiddle, Mark Crosgrove on the mandolin and the guitar, Josh Kanuski on the drums, Bob Taylor on the bass. The CD is called Only Slightly Mad, Mr. David Bromberg. Wow. We've got time for one more song for you now. I want to thank all our guests who've been doing such a great job on the show this week. Of course, thanks to um, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, musical legend herself, Wanda Jackson, pioneer, women in rock music. Thanks to our award winner, Corinne Cryelkamp, helping distribute much-needed surplus foods to those who can use it by bicycle up there in Idaho. Thanks, Corinne. Thanks to Helen and the E-Tones. Thanks to David Bromberg and his band. Thanks to all of you guys for joining us, um, the, the citizens of E-Town. I appreciate you tuning in every week. We've got a song that Wanda picked out. She used to do this in the 50s. You can all sing along. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Well, goodbye, Joe. We gotta go the old bio. We gotta go, go, go down the bio. Produced by a donor-supported nonprofit organization and recorded live at E-Town Hall. To comment about the show, make an Achievement Award nomination, or get tickets to a live taping, send an email to info at etown.org, visit our website, etown.org, or connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. distribution of E-Town is made possible by the support of E-Town's family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. Settle down, far from town, get me a bureau. Gonna catch all the fish on the bio. Swap my mind by Yvonne, what you need, Son of a gun,
Linda Jackson. And David Broberg and his phenomenal band. Are you ready? Here we come. One, two, three. Jump a lot, goldfish pie, fill in your boat. Cause tonight I'm gonna see my Michelle Thanks, everybody. This is a production of E-Town. There you have it. Wanda Jackson and David Bromberg, a couple of my absolute favorites. David Bromberg was a huge influence for me when I was a teenager, and I discovered Wanda Jackson later on, and it was just amazing that we got to bring her to E-Town a couple of times. So much fun. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks for listening.